Hello, and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal, bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast, we will hear from leading expert Irene Gobril of the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, as she discusses the importance of early intervention and interception in multiple myeloma, and how screening together with risk stratification can help find cure. Well, I'm here in Myeloma 2022, and we're talking about so many options for precursor conditions and how to truly potentially cure myeloma by early intervention and interception. And I think of it as more of three pillars that we need to look at, screening and detecting it early, finding the right risk stratification so that we treat the right people and not under or over treat certain people, and then finding precision interception, truly finding the way we should treat patients and not using the same old ways of myeloma treatment. And if you go to the first part of screening, we know that cancer screening saves lives in general, and yet we have a very easy blood test for multiple myeloma, and we're not using it. And the question is, we see so many people with MGUS, with smoldering myeloma, but we find them incidentally. In fact, if you think about it, every single patient with myeloma must have had an earlier precursor condition. So by definition, instead of waiting for them to come and see you when they have symptoms, when they have fractures in their bones or anemia, why not screen early, find it at the right time and potentially treat them at the right time? And we know already that if you look for it, you'll actually find a lot of people. In fact, our manuscript just came out in Lancet Hematology yesterday, finding indeed that when we screened high-risk people, meaning either you're African-American or you have a first-degree relative with myeloma or a blood cancer, you find that the incidence or the prevalence of having a monoclonal gamopsy is significantly higher than what we used to think. So in general, the general population, it's about 3% over the age of 50, what we've learned for so many years by Dr. Kyle. If you go to the high-risk population, again, African-American or first-degree relative, you find it to be 6% by just using serum protein electrophoresis, so the good old-fashioned way, and that's, again, at age 50 or above. If you go to the more sensitive mass spectrometry, then you'll find 13% of them have a MGUS, a mass spectrometry MGUS, and another 27% also have a monoclonal protein that we termed as monoclonal gamopsy of indeterminate potential, or MGIP. And we need to understand better how those people who have a small monoclonal protein will behave later on, and will they have associated cardiovascular disease, autoimmune diseases, hematological malignancies, not just myeloma, but other cancers, and also can we define truly who is at risk of developing myeloma and then treating those patients. And we know that our work, along with the iStop work from Iceland, hopefully can bring back to us truly screening as a modality that we use for everyone. You're at age 40 or 50, you go to your primary care doctor, one of the screening tests that we will offer should be a mass spectrometry to make a difference for us to detect it early. Now, once you detect it, you don't want to treat everyone. In fact, many people may not need treatment. They may need modulation of things, making sure they have you know, osteoporosis risk is taken care of, cardiovascular risk is taken care of. But if they are at risk of myeloma, we need to define that early. And these are the people usually in the smoldering myeloma area. And right now, we're still using clinical markers. The 2220 is a wonderful way for us to say, indeed, these people are going to develop myeloma soon, 50% chance in two years. But I think we need better modalities to understand better who will develop myeloma in their lifetime and can we decide on which therapy is good for them. 
So if you add to 2220 a dynamic model that can actually predict every time you come to your doctor, you look at your markers better. So you have more precision in that modality rather than being static in the 2220 markers. And if you add to it genomics and immune markers and circulating tumor cells and start adding all of this so that when you go to your doctor, you have this app that tells you basically your risk is 30%, 70%, you're at high risk of developing myeloma, not only just in general, but you also have high risk genetics. If you have a 17P deletion smoldering myeloma, your behavior is likely very different than someone who has a hyperdeployed smoldering myeloma. And that takes me basically to the interception. We need to treat smoldering myeloma early to make a difference. And indeed, prior studies have shown that it can change progression-free survival, not always overall survival, but just ending and organ damage is important. Not having fractures and not having anemia is a good endpoint that we need to reach. And potentially having an endpoint as minimal residual disease as an endpoint for smoldering myeloma trials can make a huge difference in changing the way we think of myeloma. The other thing is those high-risk cytogenetics may not need the same treatment. We don't want to start back again on using Landex alone and then adding bortezomib and then adding deratumumab. And we are doing that. We're already using four drugs, whether it's DERA-RVD or DERA-KRD in many of those trials. But I would argue that we need to bring the best that we have now, immunotherapy, into the earlier setting. We need to bring bispecific antibodies, CAR-T therapy, when the immune system is still very intact, although com not completely normal, and when the tumor burden is lower. This is the perfect time, actually, to think of CAR-T or bispecific antibodies, even before you start any conventional therapy. And likely those patients will have a better response, less side effects, and maybe we will cure myeloma by treating it early with immunotherapy. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.